Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. This episode of The How of Business is sponsored by Ustas the one-stop shop for startups and small businesses. As a small business owner, you know firsthand the difficulties of managing everything from payroll and accounting to keeping your website updated. Usta's Small Business Solutions helps you with everything from starting your business, operating it efficiently, and seeing exponential growth. All of the products and services offered by Usta's are geared towards small businesses, and their pricing is too. For more information about how Ustas can help your business, please visit the show notes page for this episode. Welcome to The How of Business with Henry Lopez and David Begin, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez. Before we get started, I'd like to say hello to Kai. Kai is one of our Longtime listeners in the Austin area. Kai, thanks for listening to the show. My guest today is Doug Groves. Doug, welcome to the show. Oh, good morning, Henry. I'm glad to be here. It's a hot day in Central Texas coming up, but we just got to get through them. <laughs> I hear you. Same thing up here in the Dallas area. Uh, so, Doug is the force behind uh, an agency called Program Insurance Group, uh, an insurance agency. And we'll have him share with us more details on that. But he has over 30 years of experience in the insurance industry with his uh, multifaceted background as an area developer for franchises. Doug also brings the expertise of the franchise industry to program insurance, the agency that he has now. And um, he maintains ownership in three different agencies, although I think he's bringing them all together. He'll tell us about that story. He continues to be involved in the franchise industry Uh, He lives with his wife, and he has three adult children. He's an avid outdoorsman, as he says, and he's passionate about philanthropy, and um, he has a great entrepreneurial spirit, which is uh, will become evident as he shares his story about how he got to where he is today. Uh, Doug has two homes. He lives in Bryan College Station, the home of Texas A&M, where he attended, and also in Georgetown, which is outside of Austin. So in today's episode, Doug's going to share with us his journey, his interesting journey, how he got into the insurance industry, how he got to opening his first agency. And then we're going to dive into insurance, the topic of insurance for small business owners. So with that said, Doug Groves, welcome to the show. Glad to be here, Henry. We hope we can help out. All right. Well, let's let's start uh, with your journey. You uh, obviously, as I mentioned, attended A&M. And uh, tell us about your early career. What did you do after college and, and then lead us up to getting into the insurance industry? Well, I was a student at Texas A&M in the late 70s and the 80s and wasn't, wasn't the model of students. I'm sure Texas A&M <laughs> is uh, glad I moved on. But uh, I liked classes. I enjoyed my classes. Uh, my dad was probably always frustrated with me because he knew I went to class. I just never studied mm. But um, I graduated in finance, 1982, and actually went straight to work for a couple of insurance companies. Um, Did about two years with each company, and I actually worked in the claims business. I was taught in this business in the in the on the on the actual end of insurance claims, handling liability claims, having handling auto claims, and handling agents and customers. And unfortunately, too many people in the business never get to be on that side of the world, which is actually where the where the policies get to work. And somebody actually reads the words and interprets the words for a loss that an individual customer has. Mm. So it was very good training. I never thought I was very a good salesperson. So when I removed myself from the claims business, I actually 
didn't know very much, but I knew the policy words and I knew what the words were supposed to mean. So when I, when I would visit with customers, I felt that I was teaching all the time about, well, your policies aren't written correct because this or this or this, or your values aren't high enough, or you, you have no insurance in case something like this happens. And um, I, I felt like I, I just, I sold insurance by teaching insurance. So the customer would have a feel when I left better, a better feel for what they were paying their dollars for and what they were receiving in return in insurance. And I think that paved a ground for me when I got into the selling side of the insurance business that I watched it from the paying side of the insurance business and what frustrated customers and, and the way the policies are written incorrectly or not written at all. And then claim times comes and then, then, then you have to deal with customers who feel like they've been not taken care of all the way. So the, my background in the claims really, really gave me a basis on, on how to sell the policies, even though I never thought I was a very good salesperson, but I just would tell the customer, I said, well, what you have reminds me of this claim or that claim, or I could bring real life stories to to my sales position. And, and I think that proved me well when I got into the selling side of the business. Do you still think uh, that you're not good at sales or have you changed that opinion? Well, I think there's no excuse for an insurance salesperson to not read their product mm -hmm. and that they need to read it. I don't say that you need to memorize the product, but you should know the setup of what's covered and what's not covered and the reason things would not be covered. And really, you can only do that by, by reading the policies. And uh, they're generally the same in states. Most people are, are have a, a basis that general liability is going to be general liability across different companies. There's Policies can get awfully weird on us. But in, in typical small business things, usually a Hartford policy is the same as a traveler's policy is the same as a state farm or an all state. Um, they try to simplify things on behalf of the customer so that they don't have to worry too much about the language. But I still believe that the salespeople need to know and understand the product that they're selling. I, I, I start with that core yeah. belief. Yeah. Uh, and that, that can be from education or actually I learned it from doing it. So. Right. No, it's definitely, I know. And then of course, over, over, over time, it's gotta be part of what's developed for you, a network of people that, trust you and um, see you as someone who will tell them the truth and educate them and not just sell them something they don't need or not enough. I think the customer needs to understand that all policies come at a cost. Mm -hmm. uh, Cadillacs are more expensive than Volkswagens. And there's, there's, there should be an easily definable difference between a Cadillac and a Volkswagen and insurance. And there is usually it's deductibles or it's a limiting coverages um, in the Volkswagen, it's usually pretty easy to pick out why this car is, or why this insurance is, is ex less expensive. And, um, unfortunately in insurance, you kind of get what you pay for. I mean, if you're, if, if you got three bids on your insurance from three competitive deals and you've got, everybody's within a thousand dollars and you got one that's $3,000 less, my guess is there's a problem with the $3,000 less one. Yeah. Um, and I, our job is to find out what the limiting factors are there. And if, if the customer can live with the limiting factors and understand that their deductibles 3%, not 1%, or their wind is curtailed or their, uh, the roof is limited, then, then people can make an informed decision. Right. right. Okay. Great. Interesting. And we're going to dive into more of that. What, what led then? to you, for you to start your first agency. Was that the first business you had was an agency? Yes. And it was my father. Uh, my dad, my dad owned an insurance agency in Austin, Texas. And, uh, I had a new son then. Wow. So that was 32 years ago. Cause my oldest son's 32 now. So I showed up on my dad's doorstep one day and said, Hey, this, I like this business. I don't like the claim side of the business. Uh, I need to try the sales side of the business. And, and the um, issue with the claim side was just the, the emotions and the people not getting what they thought they were going to get and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh yeah, it's a tough, when you get, when you get the claims guy comes in, in the middle of a storm, quite frankly, and, and uh, there's no very many happy people in the claims world. You've got four people you got to 
to attend to. You've got the insurance company, you've got the agent, you've got the customer. And if you're in a liability situation, you have a, a, a third party that feels they've been damaged. So if, out of those four people, if you pay too much, somebody's going to be upset. And if you don't pay enough, somebody's going to be, it's hard to hit an equal balance. But I think that's my talent in life is, is finding where equal balance is for everybody in the room. Well, let's see if we can get to that place and we'll make everybody happy and, or as, as close to being happy as we possibly can. But, but so, so you, were, you were wanting to move out of that side of it. You didn't think you were good on sales. But what, so what was it about the insurance business that nonetheless appealed to you? Well, the insurance business is a fascinating business. Uh, the, the spread of risk. Uh, against uh, a, a large group. I, I like the insurance concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, nobody can take the, uh, the risk of their house burning down by themselves. Being self-employed as, or self-insured is usually not a good plan. Um, so I like the insurance business, and we were fortunate enough to be able to, uh, to do programs. We, we started uh, our best program that we ever had was a home builder program where we actually insured home builders for uh, the construction of single family residences. And we were pretty successful in that. And Austin, Texas has been a very good e- economic uh, area to, to ply your trade in. There's always been a lot of activity and in, in the insurance business, you need activity Act- activity will uh, in any kind of economic activity you have to have in the insurance business, you have to have things happening. People right. need to be buying property, selling property, opening businesses, and then there's a need for an insurance person. So we've we've been in a good place, uh, been a good state. Um, uh, a couple of hiccups in the <laughs> 80s and a couple of hiccups in the late 90s. But by and large, this has been a good place to be in the insurance business. So you came knocking on your dad's insurance, uh, went to work with him then, right? Yeah, I went to work for that agency in Austin and we built it up. Uh, we, uh, we got it pretty good size and then I quite frankly, actually got bored and, and, uh, my kids had all made career choices that did not involve the insurance business. And I decided I, I wanted to do something else and kind of went down a different trail, sold the insurance business and pretty quickly realized that I like the insurance business, the best thing that I've ever tried. So I started it up again and, and I bought another little agency up in Georgetown, Texas, and we've been able to, uh, to take that one. And, and the unique part about it now, all of my children work for me. So, Mm, um, we, we've all come from different areas and, but we all do the same thing. And, and, uh, we are out, uh, moving insurance product around and, and, uh, we're enjoying it. Uh, a family, yeah. a family business is a lot of fun to watch the kids, uh, get involved and make their own decisions. And, and I like tossing a problem at them and watch to see the, see the answers that we come back with and what, what do they think would be best. And, uh, mm-hmm. as an insurance, how do you, uh, that can be challenging as well, though, working with family, Doug. So, are there any tips or rules that you follow or, or what did you learn to, to make it work so that you don't bring to it the baggage of, you know, he's dad, but he's also the boss. And tell me about that. Yeah. You know, that is a challenge. Uh, my, uh, I worked for my father, so um, had a little experience in that. And I, I think we have the, the one rule that, that I usually trade by is um, if you're going to be involved in a situation or in the decision, then you get a say in the decision. If you if you don't want to be involved in the decision, then you don't get to criticize the decision that was made. In other okay. words, if you're going to be gone for six months, um, you can't come back and say, well, I, I would have done it like this. Well, right. we did it the way that we thought was best at the time, and you weren't here. So, uh, yeah. um, Or if you weren't involved in the project and the analysis and the research, then you, yeah. you stay out of it. Yeah, stay out of it. And we we having a couple of offices helps us. Uh, we have everybody does a, a little bit different. Their personalities are always different. Strengths are different. Weaknesses are different. And you you got to uh, figure out where people are strong and put them in the in the areas that they're the strongest at. And when we're where we're weak, we need to stay out of those areas. But it, it's a uh, it's fun. It makes business fun. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right, so let's start diving into it. I, I'd like to maybe start with when you first take on a new small business client, 
uh, I'm curious is where do you start with helping that small business owner assess their risks, their exposure, and, and start to identify what their insurance needs are? What are some of the questions that you start to ask to help them with that? Well, I mean, essentially, I deal through the same process all the time for a customer. Um, and I, I have to make it simple because I, I don't want to memorize too many things. But, there, you know, typically I've got something on every one of my five fingers and my thumb finger is my property finger. In other words, do you own that property? In other words, are you a tenant or are you an owner of the building? And the and property, you know, do you have contents? Do, do you have contents that vary during the year? In other words, are you a seasonal business where contents in the summer are a lot higher than they are in the winter? So I, I cover my thumb my property exposures. And then I move over to my next finger, which is my general liability. In other words, some, something that you're doing to produce yourself revenue, um, causes liability issues. If, if you're a bar, um, the selling of liquor causes you liability issues and you have to address the sales of alcohol. And, and then from each one of those topics brings up Another subtopic, you know, how do you train for alcohol sales? How do you, do you send your service to the state appointed school? Do you have liquor liability insurance? What just each as I move around my hand on my my five fingers, um, I go through the same process with every business so that we know that we either covered it. We said that we didn't have an exposure or we had covered an exposure that the that the business owner is unwilling to take that risk by themselves. So that's when you have to employ an insurance company. And I just move around the list and my, my middle finger is the work comp finger. And my, <laughs> my next finger is the auto finger. And my next finger is the umbrella f finger. So by the time I've gone through my five fingers, I've pretty well discussed everything that needs to be discussed with that customer. In the middle of my palm are my professional liability exposures? Am I a, a dentist and I need errors and emissions insurance? Or am I an architect and I need errors and emissions insurance? Or what we call our, our employment practices liability insurance, EPLI, is, is really the, the coverage that's come on the scene in the last five to seven years. And that's the Me Too movement where somebody says they've been damaged or they've been harassed at work and and uh, they file a lawsuit over some kind of harassment. And uh, that area of exposure is something that we didn't deal with 20 years ago at all. And, and it's really come on in the last, oh, I say five years. We've been selling EPLI insurance, employment practices, liability insurance. And that, that's the me too, or the he said, she said coverages. He, he offended me. She grabbed me when I walked by her. Th those are tough, tough claim situations. And mm -hmm. as a business owner, you want to stay, you, you need employment manuals. All of those things bring up, you know, subsets of things that you need to worry about when you're a business owner. Do I have an employee manual? Do I have a hiring and firing guide? That's, I, if, if I go through that hand, my hand on every new business or existing business, Typically, we can cover everything that the business owner needs to be, that some thought process needs to go into automobile. Do you deliver? You know, do, does, do you have employees taking their personal cars on business ventures? So that's typically what I do. Yeah, uh, good. If you're a small business owner and need help in any aspect of your business, Usta's Small Business Solutions can help. And to get you started, Ustas is offering the How of Business podcast listeners an exclusive one-hour complimentary session with one of their professional virtual assistants. Ustas has a team of over 60 virtual assistants, each with a university degree and English as their first language, who are located in the U.S. Ustas virtual assistants are qualified in various areas, so they will match you with the perfect assistant based on your needs. They offer literally hundreds of services, including data entry, copywriting, branding, market research, graphic design, and lots more. Think of all the time you could free up by delegating tasks to a trusted professional virtual assistant from Ustas. To take advantage of this free hour with a virtual assistant, 
visit Ustas today at ustas.com forward slash podcast. That's double O-S-T-A-S, Ustas, the one-stop shop for startups and small businesses. So, Doug, let's talk about, let's start with the commercial liability policy. I, I think, if I understand it correctly, there's there's typically a, a base policy, if you will, that then we add riders or addendum to. Is that right? And and so talk to me about that and some of the common mistakes you usually see people make. Because I don't I don't I don't believe that every insurance agent I've dealt with has walked me through that process. Uh, for different reasons, and, and mostly probably my fault because I'm in a hurry or I haven't given them the time or I haven't spent the time to go into the details. But we typically end up with a basic commercial liability policy, right? That's usually where most businesses start. You you have liability exposures because you're generating a profit from this business. Let's pick a restaurant. A restaurant, you know, was open uh, lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, um, serving uh food normally uh they can serve alcohol alcohol is a separate uh is a separate entity that we have to deal with separately because a, a base commercial liability insurance policy excludes the sale of alcohol so that you have to go buy liquor liability policy for that but where i see problems is quite frankly um the limits the limits of liability insurance mm-hmm. that that a customer buys today mm-hmm. um I still think we're all in the 80s and 90s mindset where a million dollars was typically the limit of liability insurance that you would purchase to protect yourself or your entity from liability lawsuits. And and my my things that I'm telling customers today is a million dollars is just probably not enough. Um, I think... uh, Liability claims are, are running higher. Medical costs are higher. If somebody gets sick, you have some some food spoilage and you're doing a catering job. Um, there's a good chance that a million dollars, you can blow through a million really quick. So uh, where I see areas of concern is that, that the customer is not protecting their balance sheet, their income and expense statement, with enough liability limits. And that can be done with a general liability policy and in combination with an umbrella policy to give you, you know, three or four or five million dollars worth of protection. And there there could be people listening going, oh, this guy's crazy. But I, I think that the claims that we're seeing nowadays, the things you read in the trade journals and stuff like that, that claims just settle for a lot higher that, than they used to. Uh, hate to go back to like the eighties. That seems so long ago or the nineties, <laughs> but a um, million dollars is, is, is just not what it's yeah. cut out to be. It's um, not enough. So you, you recommend in, in the three to five range, obviously every business is different, well, but at yeah. least in that range. Actually it's the balance. It's your balance sheet, the customer's balance sheet that we're protecting. Okay. And, and my rule of thumb is, and this is what I, everybody needs to take away from this conversation is, uh, you need to make the insurance policy more attractive than you personally. You you want the plaintiff attorney that says, well, if I can get that insurance policy, I'm going to leave you alone. And if if they say, hey, this is not enough insurance, I'm coming after you personally. Then we didn't do we didn't do what we were supposed to do, mm-hmm. which is protect your balance sheet. And if, if you are substantial enough that a million dollars that I would, if I'm the plaintiff's attorney, that I would walk away from that million dollars to come after you personally. And I think I've got a good chance to get you personally that we didn't do our job. Okay. Because we, we need the insurance to be the, the target, not you personally. Okay. That's a great way to put it. That's my, that's my core belief. Yeah. If you're worth $10 million and you're buying a million dollars worth of insurance, your insurance guy's probably not doing your, his job. Yeah, you're if you're worth underinsured. Yes. And if you're worth 50,000 bucks total and you're buying a million dollars, possibly insurance guys got you enough coverage mm-hmm. and everybody's different and, and everybody's assets that we're trying to protect are different. Yeah. Okay. Very good clarification there. I appreciate that. 
All right. I want to jump to workers' compensation in, in the state of Texas. Uh, it's optional for us as small business owners. But but talk to me about that, your thoughts on that, uh, when and whether I should carry it, and, and what, what your thoughts are on that. Well, Texas is the is the the unique uh, state that we we live in, um, and it, it is optional. It, you know, it's it's you know for a lot of people that work under contracts uh, and stuff like it, is, it becomes not optional because there's a requirement for workers' compensation insurance. But because Texas has optional workers' compensation coverage, doesn't relieve the employer of the responsibility of having a safe workplace and, and doing all that stuff. It just goes into the regular tort system in the state of Texas um, without workers' compensation policy in place to do that. So uh, a work comp policy in the state of Texas will re- will prevent a lot of torts that the business owner could be sued for because he carried workers' compensation. So I'm a believer of the policy and, and quite frankly, workers' compensation insurance over the last 20 years has, has the rates have fallen so mm. far um, that the that rates now, you really need to look if you're, if you're a re- again, we'll go back to the restaurant business as we seem to see a lot of restaurant businesses, sure. I guess. Um, um, workers' compensation for that employee base is 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 really minuscule in in the big picture thing. What that what that policy costs versus what that policy gives you as a business owner. A lot of a lot of uh, um, safety goes in. A lot of uh, a lot of good night's sleep can be had when you have workers' compensation insurance because yeah. to the employee it's that it's um, two thirds of their average weekly wage up to a, a cap, um, a death benefit, disability benefit, a lot of things that come with a worker's compensation. But I encourage people, even in the state of Texas, to look at and find out what the policy actually cost uh, and then make a decision based on what it what it's delivering for you. Oh, I haven't seen any percentages in a while. We're still we're dominated in small business with people not carrying workers' compensation insurance. But and why do you think that is? Do you think it comes back, Doug, to people think it's cost prohibitive? I think I think people think that it's cost prohibitive, and they haven't actually done the work and gone to somebody and say, "Hey, really, what would workers' compensation cost me on on this deal for 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 office employees and executive type employees and salesman type employees?" It's it's minuscule cost. Yeah, that's been my experience. It be, the policy is primarily, uh, I guess, two factors: number of employees, and then what what their trade is, what they work in. Is that how it's factored? The number, what they're they're classified as, okay. and then and then you know what their annual payroll is, how the rates are coming up with. I see. But if you're manufacturing dynamite it's going to be more expensive than a secretary operating a keyboard right um you know there was a period of time that you know the the hand issues with ladies on um keyboards or gentlemen on keyboards mm. that got a lot of uh hand and wrist injury injuries and you know it never never did affect rates but um yeah interesting all right i didn't quite catch though the point on it is optional in Texas, except for if you have contractors. Explain that to me again, if you would. Well, what I was saying is a business that maybe works for school districts or counties or IBM, they're going to have a contract that says you have to carry workers' compensation for your people to be on our job sites. So even though we don't have a work comp rule in the state of Texas, a mandatory program, for a lot of businesses, work comp essentially is mandatory because they can't get the work that they're working for without workers' compensation. Good. All right. Good. Thanks for explaining that. Uh, the next one I want to jump on is commercial auto. What I have seen sometimes where there can be confusion for a very small business owner, maybe they're starting a plumbing business or a handyman business and they're a one-man operation or one-woman operation to start with. I've seen this misunderstanding and I'd like you to explain it, that they think if they have the commercial auto policy, that that covers them broadly for the business from a liability perspective. And that's not the case, right? Well, actually there's personal automobile policies 
and there's commercial automobile policies. So if the, if, let's use your plumbing contractor. If the plumbing contractor owns the trucks and they're insured, they're probably under a commercial auto policy. So they've got the correct policy. Now we need to go to limits and make sure that the limits that they're purchasing is enough to protect their business. In other words, is that where a million dollars in coverage is enough or half a million dollars in coverage is enough? Um, but but that auto policy asset. would not cover, or, or would it, if they damaged someone's home, they flooded someone's home? Would that auto commercial no, auto policy no. would not cover that? No, the commercial, auto, the commercial automobile policy would cover all things having to do with automobiles. Sure. Somebody gets hurt, we run the truck into the side of the building, yeah. uh, we run the truck into a side of another vehicle. That's what an auto policy does. Your general liability that we talked to a while ago would be the things that would respond to a, a, a flood that the plumber caused or a leak that the plumber caused that doesn't present itself until a week or two comes by and then we flood out the basement. Yeah. So the auto policy covers auto exposures. And, and really where I think the biggest exposure that people have is, uh, let's take my business, for example. I'm an insurance guy. But we have a lady that goes to the bank every day. She drives her personal car to the bank to, to make the deposit on my behalf. Uh, and she wrecks. And she was at fault. She's going to get sued. But as soon as the plaintiff attorney knows that she was on to the bank on for, on for my behalf, working for, she was on the way to the bank, working on the behalf of the insurance agency, the insurance agency is probably going to get sued also. And, and what that coverage is called is hired and non-owned vehicle. In other words, my insurance agency takes a liability exposure by sending that employee in her personal car to the bank on my behalf. And that hired and non-owned protects the business owner for the exposures of employees driving their personal cars on, on behalf of the business. And that's, that's the area that we see so many things get dropped where the employee wrecks their personal car, but they were on a business for, on behalf of the business. And that's called hired and unowned coverage. And is that, is that an additional coverage of the commercial liability or is it a commercial auto policy that I have to have? It's a commercial auto policy. You want to add the hired and unowned to the commercial auto policy. And even and even if I don't have commercial vehicles, if I've got employees in that scenario, like you described, I need to consider having this additional policy. Yes, you do. Even and lots a lot of business owners will come to me, like restaurant, go back to our restaurant, and say, "Well, I don't have any, I don't have any um, company cars, and we don't have an auto exposure." I said, "Well, yes, you do, because you just sent the bartender over to the restaurant supply store to buy more cherries." And now he wrecks his car, but he's working on your behalf. You have an exposure because you sent him out there to do this. And I mean, we can make this as ugly as we want. We no, no, it's a, it's a real one. This happens just about in every small business. I'll, I'll come back to this then, Doug. Is that one cost prohibitive? And, 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 or Absolutely not. Okay. That's a very, very inexpensive business. Now, if you're a Domino's pizza place. Sure. And the Domino's delivery driver is driving his personal car to deliver pizzas. I hate to pick on Domino's. I don't mean to do so. But you have a your whole exposure is the that driver driving in his personal car. So that is going to rate up a bunch different than my situation where I uh, infrequently send an employee on my behalf to the bank. So that that's going to be rated way different. Uh, the pizza delivery guy versus the insurance agency lady that's doing some work on behalf of the insurance agency in her personal car. Right. So it's, it's how it's rated, but the coverage is the same. Got it. The coverage is the same. It's the exposure that the employees take. Yeah. This is a big one. I mean, I think this, this applies to so many small businesses. Yeah. The, the main thing is we all have auto exposures. Everything that we do revolves around the automobile. And even if it is not your business's car, if that car is involved in a wreck, 
you could have liability exposures based on what that employee was doing on your behalf. And that's what we need to talk about. And that's, that's my fourth finger is what, what is automobile exposure? Do you deliver your product? Um, do you run, do your employees run to pick up more supplies? Do they run to the bank? Do they run to Dallas? Do they take a load of beer to Dallas? Cause you're a brewery and, um, we we have an employee driving inventory to Dallas on Friday afternoon. Well, that's their personal automobile policy is not designed. Right, and I for think that. that's sometimes where we make a mistake. Was well, they have insurance. I've checked that they have insurance, but that's not going to cover us. Yes, correct. Yes. Okay. So that's why you need coverage for that's called hired and non-owned coverage. Wonderful. Great clarification. That's a huge takeaway. Um, let's jump to life insurance, uh, key person insurance. That's another one where I see people, uh, put that off or certainly initially when they're small and they may be right that there's not a need there. When do you advise to your clients? It's time to start thinking about life insurance for the key people in the organization. Well, you know, as you, as you go through this aging problem, myself included, I think that becomes more and more front, forefront to all of us. I'm, I'm sure when I talk to my 20-year-old employees um, that are just starting out, they're going, well, the, the old man's lost his mind. But uh, life insurance is, 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 an, is a product that um, I believe in. I think you need it. Um, and let's just do, let's keep it business related. Like I'm, I don't want to do estate planning, life insurance and stuff like that, but key man insurance. In other words, if you have a plumbing business and you have a, a crew that, and you have one guy that, that sends all those crews out in the morning and checks them all back in at night and make sure everybody's, that guy is a vital piece of your business. And if, if he does not wake up in the morning for, for what, for whatever reason, your business takes an exposure. Uh, his, his family has that same exposure. I, I know. Um, but as a business owner, you've got to rehire that person. You've got to re, um, interview, you've got to retrain and all those are business expenses. So that's what key man insurance, life insurance has done. And, and, um, you know, a lot of times we get involved with a, with a customer, and they've borrowed money for the bank and the bank is requiring them to have life insurance uh, because of the debt. Right. And, and, and so it's a, it's a, it's a business, it's a business exposure. I owe a half a million dollars here. And, and if I um, unfortunately didn't wake up in the morning, I don't want to leave my wife with a half a million dollars worth of debt and she's having to run a business. So we buy a life insurance policy to, to replace me in the event um, I happen to not wake up in the yeah. morning. Um, I, I think every business, every, it, it's hard, it's hard to say these <laughs> things without coming across like I've got a dog in this hunt, but I think it's an important piece of your planning, an important piece of your overall business scheme. In other words, what's going to happen to this business? Um, if you're a one man, um, uh, hardwood floor, uh, installing guy, maybe if you passed away, um, there's not business, there's not debt left over. There's not payroll left over. There's not, uh, contracts left over had to be fulfilled, you know, possibly, um, an estate type planning is all you need. You don't need any key man insurance, but typically a business is built to, to generate a revenue stream. And, and if you don't wake up in the morning, that revenue stream is going to get affected. And we're trying to protect the people left yeah. when that revenue stream gets affected. Agreed. And, and as you know, as well, Doug, we, we also use it when you have partnerships. If, um, if my partner dies, I don't necessarily, and that all gets stipulated in the operating agreement. I may not want to be in business with his spouse and so the life insurance policy can also be in place to buy out that other party uh, as stipulated in an operating agreement. So they go hand in hand. And buy and buy sell agreements. Right. Yeah. Buy sell agreements um, are, are so invaluable. Um, um, it, it, I think uh, if you have partnerships or you, uh, you're thinking about being in a partnership, 
Yes, that's that's always the question I always ask them. Is look at look at your partner's spouse and think about that being your partner, and would you rather just give her a check and it's your business? And and life insurance these days is, um, you know, fairly fairly affordable. I mean, I I, I don't want to come off and say everything's cheap, but I mean, it's for the benefit returned, it's it's quite affordable. Agreed, especially a term policy, which is usually what you look at in these cases. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, ten year, twenty, thirty year term deal on somebody that's in their twenties or thirties. I mean, I've seen people spend more for a couple of bottles of wine and dinner over a weekend than what that will cost you annually. Oh, absolutely. In fact, it, I I recently had a business where each myself and my my partner had policies, and when we sold that business, we kept I transferred their policy to myself personally because it was such a good deal. And it was already in place and it had already gone through the medical and all of that. So, yeah, the rates are very reasonable. Um, all right, Doug, I'm going to start wrapping it up here, but I have a few final questions on this. One is from a small business owner perspective. What can I do, if anything, to help keep my rates from going up on liability, on my other policies? Are there any best practices you can recommend to help me keep my rates down? Well, you know, education. Uh, and making sure you're informed in the daily that you're a, not an absentee owner. I mean, a, an on-site owner is usually going to be attentive to what's going on in his business. Uh, deductibles you can you can use deductibles that uh, is your share, the business owner's share of any loss that they're going to pay before the insurance company steps in. That's a deductible will keep your rates low. You know, I I I think shopping um periodically with an agent and uh you know let the agent go out into the market and uh I'll, I'll put a plug in for independent agencies right now that's what we are we we work right. for different insurance companies and we can move your product from travelers to hartford to cna and uh, uh things ebb and flow markets ebb and flow one company who wants to write uh restaurants this year might not necessarily be the perfect place next year for restaurants. So the ability to move that product from Travelers to Hartford um, is a benefit to the customer. And I think that's what an independent agency does. An independent agent, um, you know, gives the customer the ability to, to shop that business versus a, a direct rider type person where the, all they have is the company that they're employed by to sell one type of insurance. Sometimes that's a good deal. Maybe sometimes that's not such a good deal. Yeah, I um, agree with you there. And so um, shop it on a yearly basis for most policies or what are your thoughts? Well, I, I think I think it depends on how your agent is doing work on your policy. I think your agent probably is shopping your business probably in the back of his mind all the time. He's looking for a company and it realizes that travelers maybe not be as good on restaurants now that maybe Hartford is. And I hate to put one in front of the other because again, everything ebbs yeah. and flows. Um, one, one year or one's five year cycle, maybe um, state auto is a great place. Maybe Hartford is another good place. Maybe travelers is a good place. I think um, your agent, if he's an attentive to your business and sees you and, and knows what's going on in your business, my feeling is an agent's, a good agent is constantly shopping your business, looking for a, a, a more complete deal, a better coverage at a better rate for your behalf. And as long as you feel like that's going on, you might stick with your guy. And, and people ask me all the time, says, I don't know where to find a good agent. And I usually tell people, you know, referrals or, you know, call, call a competitor of yours in another town. In other words, if you're in Austin and you don't do business in San Antonio, if you could find a business that's similar to yours in San Antonio and pick up the phone and give them a call, say, hey, you know, who do you use for your insurance or, or who do you who do you prefer? Or maybe make that call to Dallas or if those are your markets and you're, you're concerned about that, why don't you call Tampa Bay in Florida or or somebody, you know, go out of state and look for for a company that has an expertise in your type of business. And I, I really think that's um, important to a business owner to find somebody who who knows a little bit about your business in the first place. Yeah, 
great suggestion. Thanks for covering that. I was going to ask that specifically. So those are great tips. All right, Doug, we'll, we'll segue off of that. And, and if you could summarize for us, we've touched on it, but uh, summarize for us the the services that you offer through Program Insurance Group and you know who, who you're looking for as an ideal client. So uh, tell us about that. Well, our, our typical Program Insurance Group is named on purpose because we put programs together for, for like businesses. In other words, uh, we tend to gravitate towards franchise business where they have a hundred locations from California to New York, but they're always the same type business. There'll be one in California and there's one in New Mexico and there's one in Dallas, there's one in, in Mississippi and there's one in Florida, but they're all essentially the same businesses. So we put programs together so that when the next location, location number 10 gets opened, that number 10 has the ability to get, pick up the phone and give us a call. And we've done it nine other times. So that's, that's what we do, but it's the same game with everyone. You know, it's the same hand. It's the same property insurance. It's the same liability insurance. It's the same workers' compensation exposures. So we build these programs for, in, in our particular case, we work with franchisors. Um, we work for customers um, th that have multiple locations or multiple exposures throughout the country. And uh, that that's what we do. That, that's what our agency right. does. Um, we, we, we have a trade area in the central Texas area that we're, we operate as a regular insurance agency program insurance group when we can shop and, and promote you, but we have our agency happens to be licensed in all 50 states because we work in all 50 I states. See. So we have different, we have different rules and, um, but essentially the game is always the same protecting somebody's balance sheet. That's, that's our, that's our responsibility. Either make an insurance company more attractive than you personally. That's, that's my game. Love that. Um, Personally, but really in, in your business life, what do you love most about what you're doing today? Well, personally, I enjoy watching the, my kiddos uh, get in this business. They're all close to 30, a little over, somewhere between 32 and 28. And uh, they're all getting their feet wet. And they're all learning it. And, and uh, although they've been surrounded by insurance their whole life, um, I think... Um, they do, a, they do a good job and we like creating these programs. We, we like, um, we like franchisors. Um, uh, what I like to do is we travel around the country to meet different franchisors and we try to put programs together for their franchisees around the country. That's, that's kind of what we do. That's what I do personally. Um, but, but everybody's, exposure still it, it boils down to my hand we we can go we go through my hand on the on the schedule of things that we have and uh that's where we where we stay we're, we're having a good time all right uh book is there a book you've read recently or in the past that you would recommend well i read a book a guy named garrett gunderson wrote a book that was called killing sacred cows didn't have anything to do with our bovine friends, <laughs> but uh, things that you've always thought about, things that you've always thought to be true. Um, Garrett seems to blow a hole in about most of all the 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 known truths that we all think that we have. And I've I've enjoyed reading that book. Um, I don't personally know uh, Garrett Gunderson, but um, ran into him somewhere and bought his book. and And um, there's a couple chapters about insurance that. Uh, I thought he did a really good job laying out what insurance is supposed to do. I thought it was a good book called Killing Sacred Cows. It's, you can get it on the internet and uh, uh, read it, and you take away some you take away some some neat stuff from it. Yeah, it's a great great recommendation. Agreed. Um, as I had mentioned to you earlier, I had the opportunity and privilege to have Garrett on the show. And uh, so he's been on a previous episode, a few episodes back. And so I've been able to read that book as well, recommend it. So uh, we have a link for it as well on the show notes page to this episode. You can find it there also at the how of business.com. I will wrap it up with this uh, last question, last couple of questions, rather, Doug, 
What's one thing, and I think I know what the answer is going to be, but what's one thing you want us to take away from this conversation we had on insurance for small business owners? Well, I think the customer needs to ask the agent what what they are buying and what benefit is that providing me. And you you need to explore all areas before you check one off and say, okay, I've, I've, I've taken care of this exposure. So um, either the exposure's actually not there or the exposure's there and you're willing to take, how much of that risk are you willing to take? Um, and, and go through, you know, property and liability and work comp and auto and umbrella and EPLI exposures. Uh, you, need, you need to write a check for those insurance deals and you need to understand what you're getting in return for your policies. And, and I think if a customer goes into this with, um, with the attitude that we're, we're going to understand what we're buying, um, I don't need you to be a, 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 a coverage guru, but you know, you need to understand what general liability is and what work comp and your agent should spend enough time with you to make sure you understand what, what you're purchasing. And if we can get you to that level, then we have a pretty good idea that, that uh, you can go on and be a good restaurant and a, be a good bar. Or, or uh, uh, I think those are the two types of, re- two types of businesses we talked to, oh, plumbing contractor and, and, and do your good work. And uh, unfortunately, every once in a while, issues do come up. Car wrecks do happen. Leaks do happen. Or, um, slip and falls happen in a restaurant and, um, insurances we've had some, uh, we've had some claims that are just, just, that's what happens. That's why we buy it. Ins- that's why we bought insurance. Right. Um, car wrecks happen. Unfortunately, the, yep. those vehicles are my biggest concern. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and understandably, uh, where would you like us to go online to find out more about you, uh, and about your agency? Well, we have a we have a website at www.pig. Well, it's it's programinsurancegroup.com, all spelled out. Programinsurancegroup.com. Yeah, you can actually cheat the system and put pig.com, and it'll still come up. So, programinsurance.com. Wonderful. And if you didn't have a chance to write that down, I will have a link to that on the show notes page as well for this episode at thehowabusiness.com. Doug, this has been a great conversation. I've learned a few things. I've made some notes personally to, to confirm we don't have some exposure ourselves, especially like in the area of EPLI and the hired non-owned. So lots of great sharing, lots of great takeaways here for myself and for our listeners. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for being with us today. Henry, we appreciate it. We appreciate you having us on and we're available for anybody if they have a question. Thank you. Folks, this is Henry Lopez. You've been listening to another episode of The How of Business. My guest again was Doug Groves. We release new episodes every Monday morning, and you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and at our website at thehowofbusiness.com. Thank you to Ustas for sponsoring this episode of The How of Business. Ustas is the one-stop shop for startups and small businesses. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.